Right. We're going to spend, there's different types of series. I don't know if you picked this up. Um, uh, but we do different types of series here at St. Basil's. Um, sometimes we speak into a theme uh, where there's a particular thing that we want to teach into, and so we unpack it we look and, and, and speak through the scriptures around that theme. I don't know, generosity, something like that. Um, and uh, and uh, then there's other times we just do sort of exposition. We just get Philippians open and we just go through it and just let the Lord speak about whatever he's speaking to us about from uh, those letters. Then there's uh, moments that I want to call them sort of like pastoral series, pastoral series. Pastoral series is uh, our series where essentially we just try in to basically words of love to keep us on track. That's how I want to describe it. Words of love to keep us on track. Just to sort of part of the role of a leader, right, is to, is to name the season. So you, you, you see it with Joshua, uh, is it Joshua? Yeah, Joshua saying, um, consecrate yourselves today for tomorrow. God's going to do an amazing thing among us. But the season for today, while we're camped on the edge of the forest, that is about consecration. So let's go after consecration uh, before this, that, and the other. You see with Jesus, there's this moments where he's like, don't tell anyone about me yet. That's not what we're in. That's not the phase that, that, that we're in. And then there's this moment where he's equipping and sending out the 12 because he knows it's time to start multiplying and start giving away. And then there's times where he says, I'm going to be gone, but I'm leaving a helper with you. He starts to like, you know, name the season so that you can locate yourself and you can see what's going on. And it's part of a, a leader's like, job is really just to try and put a finger on a season that you're in and try and really just love people through it, pastor through it, um, uh, speak from the scriptures and, and all of that sort of stuff and equip people for it. So um, that can lead to sort of like a, what I would call a pastoral series, where we just sort of try and put a finger on something going on in the life of the church and then try and speak uh, sort of life into it. Uh, and uh, this is what this series is going to be uh, about. And I'm going to call this series Depth in a Time of Growth. Depth in a Time of Growth. I think I've got to come up here these days to be able to see people. Um, depth in a Time of Growth. We've been growing. Uh, as a church, I don't know if you could tell. Um, as you look around, we've been growing. We started a year and a half ago um, as, a, as a sort of public church. Um, before that, there was a small group of about 25 adults, 25 kids, and we were just praying and sort of getting a vision for what was to come uh, for about six months. And then and we launched um, last uh, Easter time. And now, I don't know, there's around about 200 people, if you're just looking at numbers, um, adults, kids, youth, people volunteering on a Sunday. Um, for we've gone from a sort of relatively small geographical area to a much wider geographical area in terms of people who are, who are coming. So there's just been growth. And I want to say um, I couldn't be more excited about the time to come, this period that lies ahead of us and all that God is going to be drawing us into as a church community. I couldn't be more excited about it. I feel deeply expectant about it. But I want to speak into something today and over this series as well, um, because there's many, many things to be grateful for, many, many things to be excited about. But with growth, there also comes challenges right? Uh, and those are, those are very real, and I want to talk about them honestly over this um, series, or those who are sharing, we will be speaking honestly about it. Um, there are opportunities in this moment uh, for us. There's also threats, if that's not too dramatic a word, but it's good to be dramatic every now and again. You know, like just threats, stuff you've got to look out for. And I want, I want to be really clear, because I feel anxiety rise in the room. Uh, I'm not, there is no crisis, 
There is no imminent change. There's no big decision that I reveal after I prepared the soil. There's none of that. I really, really, really believe, I believe they call it making hay while the sun shines around these parts, but I, I, I really believe in, in, in speaking life in before there's a crisis and like giving a heads up about stuff before we get there. We're in a time of real health. There's really good stuff is happening. The God is on the move among us and, it's, and it delights my heart. It's so exciting. It's exceeding expectations, all of that. When you pray these humble prayers at the start of these things, it's amazing what God is doing. But I want to also um, speak in uh, ahead of things. And this is the best time, I think, to, to, to do it and talk honestly about the opportunities and the threats. Um, we've got incredible opportunities, right, as we gather in, in, in large numbers for mission and to pool our resources together for being inspired by one another. And when there's more difference in the room, that's more chance for God to clash his people together and then become more like Jesus. There's so many... Um, exciting possibilities for collaboration, for the kingdom to grow. I couldn't be more excited. I hope I can say that. And you've kind of got it. Um, but also there are challenges from logistical ones. Um, this barn is getting full, right? It's getting fuller. Um, and uh, there's moments when kids have been swinging off those <laughs> things up there. I'm like, Lord, you know, you just you know, help us out here a little bit. Um, the, the car park is getting full and winter's coming. And so those grassy bits that are nice around it for the overflow, well, that's going to be more difficult. There's logistical challenges uh, to it. On the most, that's the most simple level, the logistical challenges. But there's other stuff that's a lot more um, subtle. And as you kind of get bigger, loneliness can increase, Right? And there's this chance when there's 25 of you and everyone knows each other and it's all very, you know, lovely. And then it's bigger and it's like, actually, where do I fit in now? And I feel a bit more lonely here. I'm not sure. I had a place, but do I have it now, et cetera, et cetera. Consumerism can start to set in as a church grows. And actually, you know, where once upon a time it took 50% of people to run a service of the gathered in the room, it now takes 5% or whatever. And that leaves more people with the potential to sit, sit around and sort of watch, which is not what the kingdom of God is all about, right? It's about participation. Uh, and so things like consumerism, that is a rot that will corrode the church. Um, there's things like, uh, yeah, apathy, things like rigidity. You can be, as things become bigger, they tend to become more structured, uh, to be able to cope with it. And so you end up sort of basically trying to manage people and get them, in, you know, all that sort of stuff. It becomes more rigid, less open to change. Then you become quite institutionalized. You become less open to the, what God is doing among you. Just stuff like that. Can you see it? There's some really obvious, practical stuff like, ah, what do we do about the fact that this barn has a fire safety limit of 200 people? Um, and uh, what do we do about that? Because uh, you can't just knock down a wall uh, and extend it. We, we tried. Uh, we, we've asked sound for it. We, no, I'm joking. We wouldn't do that. Um, but like, do you know what I mean? There's, pra- there's lo- logistical stuff. And I, and, I, and I know that you're asking these questions uh, because I get asked these questions all, this t- all the time, right? So uh, what I want to do, I don't know if you pick this up, but I want to be as transparent as we can and just like draw us in. This is a family on a mission. That's what the church is. Uh, and so it's not like, oh, there's the other thing that happens, centralization. Everything goes to the middle. It goes to a few on the team, on the staff team, and you end up employing more and more people to do that. And it's just not the heart. It's not what the church is all about. It's about everyone being mobilized and equipped. Church of many workers, one body, many parts. You hear us talking about it, and we really want to be it. Uh, and so I want to just say, I just want to be honest and say, actually, in this moment, it's deeply exciting. There is potential here. There is so much potential for kingdom impact as we all gather, and yet there's also some challenges. There's a logistical, and they are cultural, and they're in our hearts, and they're down to each of us. So it's, it's, a, it's a pastoral series about that, really. 
trying to speak into some different topics, like some of those ones I've just mentioned, um, and just trying to draw us all into the story of what's going on in the moment of what's going on and ask the Lord to lead us through it and to speak to us as we go through it. So it's kind of a corporate series about our shared common life, who we are together, how we relate, our collective culture, all that sort of stuff. But it will lead, as a part of that, to individual reflection, you know, as well, as we kind of go through it. Um, I have called the series um, Depth in a Time of Growth. Um, I'm going to, in a second, Ben, chuck one of those slides up. But just to, because some people, when you start putting um, graphs on screens, uh, people start like, ah, does he think the church is a business? And it's only that it's very corporate. I just want to know, I don't. Uh, but I'm going to use a graph because I think it's helpful just to simply say something. Is that okay to do that? Great, okay. Ben, chuck it up there. Chuck it up there. Whee! Okay. Now, it's, it's wobblier than I thought it would look on a, on a cobble. <laughs> um, hey, this is just what I'm talking about, just trying to articulate depth in a time of growth. This is what well known to be the S-curve. Anyone heard of the S-curve? Okay. Um, mm, all right. Um, this is an S-curve. It's, it's I, you know, made by me. Anyway, so um, this is my version of it. What we've been in is this bottom section up here, um, at the bottom, uh, the startup phase. That's where we've been a year and a half in, before that, six months. Um, and in that time, you need energy. I'm just talking about flamingos draining color, right? Um, the, you know, you, there's energy that's required. It's high energy, this fast change. You go from uh, 50 people to 200 people in 18 months. It's fast change. That's really fast change. Um, and uh, innovation takes creativity, takes pivoting all the time because something changes, changes, changes. We've had to build so many different kids' rooms, uh, you know, because the kids are, gr- uh, the kids are growing, well, that's where they are. But, you know, more kids are coming. Uh, it takes courage, constant courage to just do to stuff, stuff, to believe, to whatever. So there's this first phase, startup phase, which is really the, the phase that we've been in as a church. Um, uh, can someone warn kids? I can't land this in like three minutes. So um, can, is Dan gone already? Has he? Okay, what a legend. What a legend Dan is, by the way. He, he had 20 minutes notice last week, if anyone was here. 20 minutes notice, because I was ill last week, and I was doing everything in the service. Anyway, what a legend. Startup phase. Um, and then you move into something called establish, which is basically the middle bit. It's about depth. It's about culture. So in this phase at the bottom, you cast loads of vision. You say cool things. You come up with slogans. You have, I don't know if I can, I can't move it. Sorry. It's hard to see. Sorry. You, you say lots of stuff. You cast vision. And everyone gets very excited. And we gather around vision. And I just want to say, oh, like we cannot gather around vision as important as vision is. We have to gather around Jesus. And I just want to say that maybe that's just a relief pressure on me. But like we are gathering around Jesus here because what if we start giving really crap talks? What if it does get to winter and it is freezing? What if we don't manage to pull off this, that, and the other? What if the kids' work starts to tank? Or whatever it might be, and, we, and, and actually the vision and the gloss and the, and the sexiness or whatever this church is, I don't know, um, it starts to go. What if it goes? What if it goes? I've told you, anyone who comes to a newcomer's meeting, we say to you, here's all the vision, and I end, and it's a preview for the 29th, um, and I end by saying, and guys, that's our heart, that's our goal, that's what we're going for. We're going to make a ton of mistakes on the way. We're not perfect team, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to make mistakes. Things aren't going to materialize. There's going to be periods of frustration. There's going to be periods of questions, really what I'm talking about today, where it's like, I don't know the answer. We have to be gathered around a person of Jesus. Can, I, can we all like oath that today? You know, we're like gathering around Jesus. 
Um, and so we cast vision, but then it has to become culture. We have to be who we say we are. We did this as a staff team, um, just reflecting on a retreat this last week. And I just chucked up everything we say we are. We say we're about. And we just went through and were like, are we being it? Are we living it out? If you look at any of the books of the Bible, pretty much, but look at James or 1 John or whatever, or you look at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it's about, it's about embodying that which Jesus has called us to, not just knowing it or theorizing it or assenting to it as an idea. We have to embody it. It has to live in us. And that is what the middle phase is all about. It's about moving stuff from like cool vision to embodied culture that lives not just in a staff team or in a few core committed people, but in all of us. Uh, as we as we as we immerse ourselves in the life of the church, it should become culture, uh, and it, yeah, so multiplication, and it starts to really be multiplied throughout us, and not held by a few. Um, this is where I want us. I, I think this is where we're being called into, basically, as a church. Um, if you just keep doing the first bit, by the way, so just keep like keep starting stuff. You know, you just end up exhausted. You just end up exhausted. Um, and so um, as, as fun as it is to just keep launching stuff and keep going for stuff and keeping it really buzzy, that is not sustainable life in the, in the kingdom of God. And so you end up getting burnout uh, and you end up just taking breaks from church rather than living the way of Jesus sustainably in the life of church. Does that make sense? So we're not going to, there's a few things that we're starting around Red, Redemptive Enterprise and Pattern. Whoop, uh, that's coming. Um, but like basically this is a time for depth in a time of growth. This is a time of us digging in, of becoming who we've said we're going to be all of this time. Um, of gathering around Jesus and not just a vision of being the community we all long to be and probably slightly complain isn't there enough. Is that, what, like, that sort of stuff. It's like being it ourselves. Um, and, uh, and then you can kind of get to maintain, which is what we want to avoid, where basically you kind of dig in and things become um, deep, but then they kind of get a bit static and a bit... Um, institutionalized, and you become a bit resistant to change. It's like, I like it how it is. Like, I, mean, I liked it like that. And you start to really get comfortable and used to stuff as they are. And, uh, and, and we just need to listen to the Lord. Um, and he always brings new wine, uh, and, the, and he always um, breaks us out of stuff, and he always pushes us further uh, and, and brings new life. And so you, you need another S-curve that kicks in. This, uh, I know it's businessy, but you need another one to kick in because before you get to maintenance because what it leads to is basically decline, and you start becoming not the things. Does that make sense? Hey, that's just a, a graph to kind of articulate where I think we're at. We're in depth mode, depth in a time of growth. By the way, I don't want to... Um, uh, what is the word? You know, they, they despise the day of small beginnings sort of stuff. I don't despise what the Lord is doing amongst us. It's amazing that we, 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 when we started this church, 44% of churches in this, in this county had zero people under the age of 16 in it. We prayed and prayed and prayed. And when the stats go up from there, it's like horrific. Like there's very few kids in church. And we prayed and prayed and prayed about it. It's just incredible, right? It's like such an awesome, amazing thing. Thank you. Thank you. Like it's an amazing thing. So um, yeah, anyway, it's, it's, uh, you can probably tell I'm slightly off piste. Um, so what do I want to say aside from that? Depth in a time of growth. One of the things I think, so we're going to name, we're going to name various things, like where there's opportunities and where there's threats and how we basically in our hearts and as a collective group, like navigate them and press into Jesus. Um, but uh, one of the things that's going to run through it all is really um, about heading into the unknown and into uncertainty and into change. 
because um, growth is the sexy word. I've never said sexy twice in a, ser- in a sermon. Um, you know, is the sexy word for change. And change, you get some mixed reaction, right? It doesn't matter what change it is. Uh, it, it always gets a mixed reaction within yourself and within a community. It always generates a di- different reactions. Um, and uh, some people are buzzing for it. Some people are terrified by it. You know, it's just, it's just something. It's just a reality. Um, growth means change. Uh, and so um, I wanted to speak very briefly about something um, and a, a way of navigating that. When, um, when I, I put a document together um, to pitch to the bishop for this to happen, I said, and anyone from KXC will recognize this phrase, um, we, it, the people of God have always had a guide, not a map. They've always had a guide, not a map. It's always been about following God not following a map and a strategy and having it all laid out in front of them. It has always taken faith. Dom didn't know I was speaking about this, but Exodus 13, 2, 1, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or by night. The people of God were given a guide, the presence of God to stay close to and just follow. They didn't know where they were going at different points in the journey, meandering through the wilderness. They just had to stay close to the presence of God. Stay close to the presence of God. Uh, Their surroundings would have changed. Um, They would have gone through difficult periods, but that was their task to stay close. Um, and, uh, And then they kind of get to this point where the giants start to appear. And it's like the spies are sent out and there's giants. And it's like, it's basically the sense of unknown just only increases. The sense of uncertainty only increases. Um, and, uh, and so they start to grumble about it. And they start to like, ah, I want to go back to Egypt. And they start saying, would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt uh, where they'd been enslaved? Um, and looking at each other with contagious sort of fear, they exclaimed, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. In other words, they've been following the presence of God, and it, where it, it, but it was leading them into greater unknown, greater uncertainty. Can we defeat the giants? We don't know if we can defeat the giants. What will life look like there? Actually, this is so part of us, right? So often it's better to go backwards to something that is smaller and we know about and can control uh, than it is to step into something expansive that takes risk and faith and all of that. Uh, and uh, But, you know, kind of a Caleb attitude in this, surely we can do it with God. Surely we can do it. Um, when Moses, as I talked about recently, uh, was called to go to Pharaoh. Uh, and he's like, but I, I can't, I don't know, I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm not adequate for that task. And he answers with himself. He answers with, I am. I will be with you. And that has always been God's gift to us, himself. That's why I'm saying as much as I love vision, and I will craft words, and we will, we will create structures. As much as we do that, he gives us himself. And as we go into this period uh, with these guys, with the people of Israel, slow down, Pete. The people of Israel, they g- he gave them his presence. Uh, and with Moses, with the task ahead, and into the unknown, into terror, he gave him himself. And I just felt I wanted to remind us of that, really, simply, as we, uh, as we sit ahead of this. Um, he gives us himself. And um, if you could chuck up this other graph. That, yeah, amazing. If you were here right at the start over a year ago, you'd have seen this before. And this I will land with. But if you're talking about this sense of like the Israelites faced with an unknown, decided to go back to what's familiar rather than risk it and go on an adventure of faith. 
Um, Jesus gave us an insight into, into, into this uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6. Um, and he talks about uh, the, the passage, but I don't have time to read the full thing out. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. This is Matthew 6, 25, by the way. Um, is not life more than food and body more than clothes, etc.? Look at the birds of the air. Uh, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Is not your life much more worthy than theirs? And then he goes on to say, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? But seek first his kingdom. So do not worry, but seek first his kingdom. Jesus sets those up as differences. Um, and, and just very briefly, because I could do this for a long time, but do not worry. The word there, Greek, is merimnate. Merimnate is a word for like stewing, like going over, like you lie in bed and you just go round and round and round and round that situation that you either made a mistake in the past or some, something that's happened or something that's coming up. And you go around and it's like, oh, what am I going to do about that? What am I going to do about that? And, and honestly, like, this is where I've been at with the church. This is where I've been at. Like, this, this last week, I would say, has been my second lowest point on the journey, guys. A second lowest point on the journey of just thinking like, and, and the reason is, is because there are so many questions. There are so many question marks about this community at the moment. Not about you lot, you lot are lovely, but just like what do we do with this situation, right, of growth that I've been talking about. And I've just been lying awake at night, just like, oh, this, but this, we could do this, we could do this, and just chewing, 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 robbing joy, uh, robbing health, et cetera, et cetera. And that is Merimnate. And it's based in control. It's based in control. We are addicts to control. And the difficult thing about uncertainty is it's like cold turkey for, addi- for, for addicts with, of control, right? Because you, like, you just need to be in control. But when you get thrown into, not largely involuntarily, into periods of uncertainty, it's like cold turkey. You just actually, it's so difficult um, to actually live in it. And so we go to uh, Merimnate or seek first the kingdom of God. And when we go to Verminati, it's based on worry, and it's trying to control the situation, trying to grab control, but we all know we don't really have control. And so you're grasping it there, and you don't get it. And you're like, ah, 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 hence the spiral image on the thing. Uh, and, and, you go, and, uh, uh, and it goes to a constricted life, a contracting faith, where you start to shrink things. You go back to Egypt because it's familiar. And so you say, oh, I better just settle for this because at least I'm in control here or I'm not as out of control as I was over here. Um, and so your, your faith shrinks, your imagination shrinks, uh, what you give your life to shrinks, uh, and you end up basically contracting. This happens as individuals. And I'd love you to be reflecting in your life right now. Where have you got question marks? Where's simply just, where's there a question mark? Where is there an unknown? And what are you doing with it? Are you contracting or are you expanding? And it happens corporately, communally, as we face with something where we can just, oh, I just go into like, well, I've been on the course. I know what to do. We get a second. We get a bigger barn. And we get a bigger barn. Or we just plant churches. Or we do this or that. I know what it says to do. But what's the Lord asking us to do in this moment is a very different question. Um, And so you can either do this or you can go after curiosity. Lovely entrance. Um, you either go after curiosity, seek first. That's the flavor of seek first. Seek, look, look at Jesus. Be curious. What's he doing amongst you in the heart of that question mark? As you look at the giants, 
As you look at the unknown and the meandering for 40 years, look at Jesus. Stay close to the pillar of fire by cloud. I always get that wrong. Cloud and fire. Curious faith. And what does curious faith do? It, 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 these things, these question marks, for, for me, you know, I was treating them as like um, riddles to solve. You know, like questions that I need to give an answer to. They're not. They are windows into the heart of God. They are portals into his presence. They are, they are things that we can use as an opportunity, a window into greater intimacy with him as we get closer to him and hear his voice. And that is what curious faith is all about. And it starts to expand our horizons. And we look at that question mark. We need to look at it with worry and control. Or we can look at it with faith and an expanding curiosity about what God might do amongst us. And as I really land, that's what I would love to invite us into as a community in this time ahead. We have question marks about what does it look like? What does St. Basil's look like in the next period of time? And the answer, I don't have the answers at this point. You know, we don't have. We had solutions. None of them are possible. They've all, one by one, gone away. So it's like, ah, okay. And I would like to invite, we're going we're gonna to go after curious faith in this time as a team. Constantly trying to follow the pillars, follow Jesus, listen to him, stay close as we can. Uh, and, and, uh, and I believe an exciting, expansive thing lies away ahead of us if we do that. And I'm inviting you to do that. Do that, please, for some basils. You know, uh, uh, like as you start to, you will have, you'll probably have loads of questions already. You're like, oh, it's not like this, or is it going like this, or where's it going? You know, all of these sort of things. In those moments, hold those question marks with Jesus with you. Would you go to Jesus with him and, and listen to him? What is he saying to us? Um, and I would invite you to this in your own personal life too. Where have you got question marks? How are you responding to them? Uh, I believe there's an amazing opportunity for expanding faith with each and every single one of them. But it's also the opportunity for contracting, control-based kind of shrinking. Uh, and I know which one I want to be on the side of that. And so I'd love to invite you guys into that. Would you be up is, is that as an approach is, um, to the time ahead for us as a church? Um, great. All right. Well, let's go for it. Can we, can we stand um, together?